this is very useful information. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Absolutely. I have one more piece of advice for you. So, oh, I'm all ears. If I was to tell you the type of ads that for me personally are the highest converting ads, the things that like I spend the least amount of money, but I get the max amount of value for, it comes down to two different ads. What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy. I make music, it's Cub Nightfall, and I want to welcome you to episode 54 of Behind the Daw, where we interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, singers, songwriters, sound designers, and everyone else in between on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, branding, marketing, and overall music business basis. This is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In The Daw, where we invite music producers to come and dissect their songs in real time. Recently, we've had people like Exod, Nurko, Biometrics, Delta Heavy, Kashmir, AU5, Hero, Tynan, and a bunch of others. So if you want to go check that out, go head on over to YouTube, to the Daw Nation YouTube channel. You can also listen to those episodes. Those episodes are the 0.5 episodes in this podcast. So the most recent one was episode 53.5, which was with Exod breaking down his song Rise Up. It's beautiful. You can listen to it or again, you can go check it out on YouTube. So Donation, who are we interviewing today? Today, we got KJ Saka, who has just an insane amount of credentials, like gigantic credentials. So let me first off say that he is the drummer for Pendulum, and then he is the drummer for Destroyed, and then he is the drummer for Elenium's live show, and then he has his own personal brand, KJ Saka, and then he also has three other freaking projects that he's currently working on. That's a grand total of way too many. It's insane. This dude is everywhere. He's literally everywhere. He is kind of the equivalent of the root car insurance ads on YouTube, except he's actually really good and not annoying. Like, has anyone ever gotten root? I don't know, the marketing budget is gigantic. It doesn't matter, so not related. KJ Saka, okay, what are you gonna learn today? What are you gonna walk away with? How is this going to benefit your life? Well, first off, he's going to talk about when you have so many projects, when you are focusing on so many things, unfortunately, one of the things is going to be neglected. That's just the reality of it. So really focusing on a small amount of things is really in your best interest, which kind of contradicts with him being in so many things, but don't worry, we're gonna, we're gonna get into all that. So you're also gonna learn about how having a safety net plan may be holding you back from becoming what you need to become. Keyword is may be holding you back. We don't know. Some people do get held back for this. Some people, it allows them to feel secure in what they're doing so that they can, you know, have enough mental capacity to be able to keep doing it. But we're going to talk about that and pay attention to that because you want to find out where you're at. Do you have a safety net that's holding you back or do you have a safety net that's really helping you propel forward? And then finally, we get into the social media marketing portion of the interview. And he asks me what he can do right now to get more engagement on Instagram. And I gave him my actual tried and true and tested way to generate engagement. And my answer is not the traditional YouTube video answer that says, oh, you need to post regularly or you need to have content that looks the same or, you know, all this stuff like any video you go on YouTube and you look up top Instagram tips and they all say the same stuff. It's not that. This is not it at all. This is actual legitimate marketing tactics that comes from the big dogs. So Donation, I hope you are freaking pumped for this week's episode. In fact, if you want a free 20 minute social media marketing consultation call like what I did with KJ, guess what? You can have one. That is one of the free bonuses that you can get when you sign up for the School of Bass, which by the way, this episode is sponsored by the School of Bass, which is AU5 and I's sound design course that includes over 20 hours of insanely in-depth videos. It comes with effects racks, instrument racks, and project files. It also includes a bunch of bonuses, like I just mentioned, and we are always adding more and more content. And by the way, we actually 
actually have two price points now. You can now buy a full lifetime access to the school base for only $247, or you can go down the subscription route and only pay $47 per month to have access to all of it for as long as you want. Of course, there is no commitment in this. You can cancel anytime, one month, two months, three months, however long you need. It's completely in your control. Now you can go check this out at courses.inthedaw.net. Again, that is courses.inthedaw.net. Also, if you want to test drive the school base, I'm into that. That's awesome. There's a free version for you over at courses.inthedaw.net. You can go check it out, kind of test drive it, see if it's driving with you, see if it's what you like. Totally cool. Again, it's over at courses.inthedaw.net. But Daw Nation, let's get into this week's interview and go behind the DAW with KJ Saka. KJ Soccer, who's a freaking legend. KJ, say what's up to Daw Nation and tell us something extremely embarrassing about yourself. What's up, Daw Nation? We got many embarrassing stories. One, which was uh, what we were just talking about. I showed <laughs> to a, a Nerd Nation show and AU5 in Seattle. Big 400-person party. Halloween opened up this box of Halloween goodies. I was in my street clothes and I'm like, oh, hey, KJ, you can put any, any of these outfits on. Just pick something. Oh, okay. So I found this cop hat, this micro mini skirt and this really tight tank top. And I took off all my clothes and I put this on. I had this huge, huge Doc Martin boots on with this micro mini skirt with these hairy legs, <laughs> pretty much did the running man until I exhausted myself. And and then someone from the audience stuck a uh, marshmallow helmet Halloween costume on my head. And there's video evidence. You can go check it out yourself. No shame. <laughs> the detail in that story that really stuck out to me was the hairy legs. So like on a scale from one to 10, one being perfectly shaved and 10 being like, you look like a tree. Like where you're like, I'm like five decently hairy, hairy enough to be a man, have manly hairy legs. Ain't no shaven haven up here. Sorry. No shaven haven. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I got two questions for you. Very first one I got for you. Do you like horses, KJ? That's not the question, but do you, do you like horses? Right. Sounds like a question. I love horses. You're right. It is a question. It's not the question, but it, okay. He likes horses. All right. Let's say that horses became so intelligent that it became absolutely illegal to ride them, but they also, horses also wanted an animal to ride. So at that point, what would become a horse's horse? What animal do you think uh, qualifies for that? I think it would have to be, you know, as strong as a horse and kind of like the shape of a horse, agile like a horse. I would say a unicorn. Oh my gosh, that is profound. A unicorn can, can freaking do anything. They can. <laughs> imagine, obviously, anything riding a unicorn would be amazing, but imagine a horse riding a unicorn. That would be, wow. You didn't even flinch with that, man. You just came in hot with that. Like, have you been asked that before? Or are you just like that, that quick minded? That's just the image that popped into my head. You're the best decision. I've made all day, KJ. This is great. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. So second question I got for you is if you were stuck in a beauty and the beast kind of situation where it's like there's a curse and then you turn into the object that you were most closely associated with. So in your case, it would probably be a drum set. What specific part of the drum set would you turn into and why? I think most people would choose maybe the kick drum or something like that. because That's like the heart and soul and that's the hit you right in the chest. I probably would say the snare though. The snare, of course, is the backbeat of any music, but I've kind of always been kind of a top kit player 
in the sense of like I, I've done a lot of jungle beats and crazy snare rolls inside my beat patterns. So I'll it'd probably lend itself to the snare drum. You'd be a very good snare drum in a beauty and beast situation. I just want you to know. So with those questions out of the way, do you feel do you feel deeper or are you still in the same mindset? Uh same mindset. <laughs> those didn't even affect you. <laughs> Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. We're excited. We already have like literal gold coming from you. Let's say over the last year, what has been your career been looking like? How have you been? You know, what are what is some progression that you've seen that you're really excited about? You know, like let's let's get the let's get the lowdown on KJ. So we'll start with so 12 months. Think about a year ago, Nick from Millennium. I went to his show here in LA, met him, and we really kicked it off and everything. And I had a feeling there was like a chemistry already with just meeting him. And he's he had to go. He had some interviews and stuff. Stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Saw the show. I was really blown away. Very impressed with the music, first and foremost, which is what most people are impressed with. And then the live show I thought was really great too. And I was like, huh, I'm like, I wouldn't mind being a part of this live show. And then we connected more. And then he asked me to be a part of the live show, which was great. So we had a really successful 2018, played numerous festivals, sold out Red Rocks within minutes. I mean, this is all, you know, it's, it's a lineum, Um, And I was just grateful to be a part of that team. But I really feel that our whole team from the from the LD to the video team to our hired hands who who you know was wrapping up cables everybody contributed to a really really great successful run of shows so that was really big did a slew of pendulum stuff um, we hit Australia New Zealand oh, we're keeping the, the pendulum torch burning bright and then now I'm working on not one not two but three brand new projects and they're all kind of secretive, but that's what I've been working really, really diligently on for the last three months, mainly after being off the road, pretty heavy touring cycle with Elenium. And of course, I have all my KJ gigs sprinkled in there as well. I did a lot of opening slots on the Elenium tour, which was really dope. Usually I'm pretty touring heavy. So this three month break has been really nice. And we've just been constantly producing music for three different projects. Dude, that is wild. So you have, is that like three new brands or three like extensions of brands that you already have i mean like or products or i mean i know you don't want to give too much but you know like you could give it a little little teaser so one of them is a bass centric edm duo it's not super hard we have a lot of melodic stuff we are very close to launching we're just working working around our logos plan on hitting the bass scene and the feels scene pretty heavy with that which is exciting venture for kj Saka. you know when i started kj Saka, i don't even know 20 years ago i've always been about all styles of music mainly electronic music. I've always had songs with vocals on it. I've always had big melodies, melodic bass lines. Once I got into Destroyed, that's when it, it triggered that much harder edge, that much harder side of, of KJ Saka. So I started putting out a lot more dubstep and a lot more heavy sounds with, with more teeth um, as opposed to the lighter, lighter stuff. Bringing a little bit of that lighter stuff back, but with deeper production, more sophisticated production. Second project is quite a bit different. It's on the verge of pop. It's also a duo. It is Bonobo. Z-H-U, Zoo? Zoo, yeah, Zoo. These are some influences on us. Quite a bit different. It's, it's, it's with a friend and producing partner that I've um, known for 15 years, and we finally decided to do a project. And what's your, what's your third project? The third is totally different. The third is pure metal. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Started a metal group. I'm not going to say with who yet, but most people in the IDM world know who this person is. Yeah, IDM, not, not EDM. More heady stuff. It's a real left 
field type thing. And we've been wanting to do some metal for a long time. And I just couldn't turn it down. I was like, man, like all honesty, I've never been in a metal band. I've had metal influences in my style of playing. A lot of the dubstep stuff has metal influences. I've always done metal drills with the kick drums and things like that, but I've never been in a full on metal group. So starting something like this is very exciting. It's very challenging. It's one of the most exciting things I could possibly do as far as drumming is concerned because I got to memorize parts with EDM and playing with Pendulum and playing with Elenium and playing with Destroyed. Like I play the parts and they're all written, but I can really improvise around the parts quite freely sometimes. But with metal, it's really, really specific. It's got to be super tight, structured parts and patterns that we've got to memorize and stuff. So that's pretty, pretty enticing. That's awesome, dude. So dude, you, you got stuff with Pendulum, Destroyed, Elenium, plus these three new projects. How do you have time to even think? Because that sounds like a crap ton of stuff to do. Man, it is. We really picked up the speed um, on these three projects too. Each project, we try to do two to three days per week. And some of these sessions are like 12 hours long, Oof. trying to just launch it, trying to finish these tunes. So much to do. It's definitely way more than I would recommend any one person do. And it really goes against what I teach too, as far as building a brand and doing something. If I was in my 20s, I would suggest not doing this. But since I've laid down a foundation of drumming and producing, you know, anything's possible. I mean, you definitely don't want to skip steps when you're learning and when you're putting in the time, learning the ropes. We're all learning every single day, you know, and I'm constantly learning stuff on the drums and producing. But I just felt like I couldn't not do these three specific projects. This is mind blowing to me, like how much. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, how, how do you, how do you manage your time in such a way to do that? Because like, dude, I have kids and I can barely get things done that I need to. And I, I don't have six things that I'm doing like you. I have one. So like, how does one manage their time to do that? Man, there's no easy way to say it or do it. It is hard. Really, really hard. I get the time management question all the time and I tackle it in, in a different way each time depending on how I'm feeling about it at the present time. Compartmentalizing is is really what it's all about. But the struggle is real, especially since each group has its own style, own vibe, its own way of producing and sounding. And my whole approach to a kick drum and creating a kick sound for each project is completely different. Same with the snare and same with the, the, the just the ideology of the songwriting. But that's the nuts and bolts of how I compartmentalize. And the, the more structured... I can be with the nuts and bolts of each project, the easier it is to to compartmentalize each project. Like, what is my role in Pendulum? What is my role in Elenium? What is my role in Destroyed? What is my role in each one of these new projects? The more I can define that, the easier or the potential the potential for, for my role in each of these projects to flourish is there. If I start to waver a little bit and on the, be on the fence with cert- certain things, it, it's much harder. Or if the lines blur, two of the projects, let's say, are gunning for the same manager or same gig, that could be very challenging. And I don't advise that. And so far, all the projects have a unique identity. They're going to have unique fan base.
cases, even though there's going to be some cross crossover appeal. But yeah, I'd say that kind of wraps it up, you know, compartmentalizing each one. Where do I sleep and where do I eat? And where do I see my wife? That is uh, another whole chapter of the, the, the life of developing six entities all simultaneous. Destroyed is kind of dormant right now. So I'm not giving a whole lot of time and attention to that necessarily, at least in the present day right now. Um, there's no way to know if we all want to jump on the next festival or whatnot or start up the, the EP, the long overdue EP tomorrow. The present day right now, right this minute, I'm not thinking about that. So with these new brands that you're launching, do you feel like the things that you have going on, you kind of mentioned like Destroyed isn't going to really get too much effect from it. Do you? But do you feel like Pendulum and the stuff you got going on with Millennium, do you think it's going to suffer because of all the attention that you're going to be putting towards these other three brands that you have? Yeah, that's a great question. I have been dealing with that my whole career. So the thing that has suffered historically is the KJ Sokka brand specifically, especially when I joined Pendulum. This is some real nuts and bolts stuff that I don't talk a lot about to answer your one of your first questions. But it really is relevant to producers out there and musicians, side musicians, front musicians, songwriters, business people, booking agents. It, it really relates to everybody, I think. And it's a life relation in general. So my my KJ Saka solo career was doing good. I was getting gigs around the, the world, small gigs, but, but gigs. Um, I was launching. Things were successful. I just launched my very first Ableton Pack, Mad Beats. This was about 10 years ago. I just played Ultra Festival with BT. I was doing music with Blake Lewis. We were on American Idol. And then Rob Swire from Pendulum called and offered me the position of the, to be in the band. And it wasn't just, hey, you want to be a side member, a side man in Pendulum. Do you want to come join Pendulum, move overseas to London, be part of a writing team, just be a band member, which is way different than just a side member, which is kind of what I am in Elenium, really, to really put the two brands side by side. And so that was a, a huge career and life decision that I had to make. And I really felt I needed to make it right on the spot. So he asked me and I'm like, yes, let's do it. And my manager at the time was like, duh, did you say yes? Like thinking like, hey, let's give this a few days. And I'm like, I said, yes. That was a pinnacle moment in my, my life and my career, moving, relocating, joining the band. The common theme, I think for anybody would be like, what a great move, advancing your career, joining Pendulum. This is going to do amazing things for everything in your career. And it was kind of a yes and no. Like the thing, the momentum that I had for my solo act, KJ Saka, I didn't realize that at the time I needed to keep the gas pedal down on KJ Saka specific stuff. And so when I did join Pendulum, I kind of pumped the brakes because Pendulum took over. Like, this is amazing. I'm joining this world. I'm joining this world-class band. You know, we were coming out with, with Immersion, which is double platinum, like it's a really big deal. Pendulum, especially at that time, was huge all over Europe, huge on the BBC One radio. Andy Mack was pumping us. We had already, Pendulum already had a few hits from previous records. Uh, um, we were gearing up to have two massive hits, hits, three of them actually, The Island, uh, Witchcraft, and Watercolor. They were mostly really, really big in UK specifically, but it definitely spilled over into the States. And of course, we're platinum in Australia as well, their hometown. 
But anyways, so I just shifted. I completely shifted my career, which I thought was for the better, which it was. It was amazing. Like I, w- I wouldn't have been able to land my drum sponsors I would, as, as quickly as I did. I got on the front cover of some drum magazines. Like Pendulum was the best thing that I could have done. Still to this day, I'm really proud of it. But I didn't realize that I let off the gas pedal on KJ Saka specifically. So that's basically what happened in a nutshell. So if one brand takes off, yes, another one can suffer. And so I've been since then it's realizing that I'm like, okay, how can I teach people not, not to do the, the mistakes that I made? How can someone join something very successful and keep their brand alive? And so that's, it could relate to, to anybody. I think, you know, especially these young, um, impressionable college kids learning their craft, whether it's production or a specific instrument, starting up their brand, their solo brand, their solo identity. And then when that big call hits, they just drop everything and take it and dropping everything and taking that call, I think anybody would. It's a great career move. But, you know, I try to teach to not forget your roots, where you come from, and your solo identity. As I've been sitting here listening to you about this, I was raised in a very entrepreneurial family. And one of the things that they always taught was multiple streams of income, multiple businesses style thing, you know, there's safety in this. And so when you're talking about this, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, I don't really know too many people in the music industry that have multiple brands that they did strategically. Most of the time it's, I make this type of music, but I also make this type of music. Therefore, I want to have these two different brands. And then whichever one is doing better, I kind of focus on that one. But what if, hear me out on this, what if, this kind of sounds like you're doing this in a way, what if someone came in before they had any credentials, before they had any anything, and they did have multiple brands, let's say two, let's just say they had two different brands or two, yeah, two different brands, and they they put their heart and soul into both of them, then in, in theory, correct me if I'm wrong, but in theory, that could help them kind of see which one was doing better. And then they just put all their eggs into that basket. And if that ever fell, then they could go back to the other one. You see where I'm going with this? You know, the thing about it is it's, I wouldn't approach it like that as the the definition that you gave. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't um, teach that way either. It's kind of like plan A and plan B, let's say, right? And that kind of goes along with a fallback job. There's people with fallback jobs and there's people with no fallback jobs. People call it a safety net and call it this or that. You know, if it's the same thing as a person, as a kid growing up and their parents are there to help them financially versus a kid growing up with their parents, unfortunately, unable to help them financially. You see both sides of the coin all the time. And there's real no rhyme or reason this way or that way. But what's really important is the values instilled in that person doing what they have their heart set out to do. It's kind of vague, but it's commendable to just do one thing, have a plan A, and you push it as hard as you can. And if it fails, that sucks. Back to the drawing board, but you gave it 100, 200%. And maybe it failed, you know, hopefully you can learn from all the failures, but with music and with, you know, producing music, producing art, there's there's good songs and there's bad songs, but, but maybe those bad songs are a step to get to the good songs and you couldn't have created the good songs or good product without creating the, the, the ones that didn't hit very well. Maybe you think they're great. Maybe there is an audience for those songs that didn't hit very well. Just because it doesn't hit globally doesn't mean that it is a bad song, really. You know, there's it's so complex. With pushing two brands simultaneously, if that's what's in your heart, I feel that someone has the capacity to push two different entities 200%. Why not? There's 12 working hours in each day or more. 
or Arnold Schwarzenegger says, just sleep less. It's possible in Switzerland or, or wherever they've cut the 40-hour work week down to, I think it's 30 hours. And it turns out that these people are even more productive than they, when they were working 40 hours. Because in any given eight-hour workday, a person is really only good for like four to four hours, four to five hours, maybe. You're mentally exhausted, you can get physically exhausted depending on what you're doing. And if you really sit down and just crush something with 100% dedication, let's say you're, you, you're smashing out 100 emails and it's a copy and paste type email. Well, if you really sit down and crush it, you could crush a hundred of them in, I don't know, an hour or something like that versus, you know, walking up, stretching, checking Twitter, you know, it could take eight hours to do that same task. So I think crushing two, two brands simultaneously is possible. It runs in parallel with the concept of having a safety net versus not having a safety net. And that is some values that is instilled in every single one of us. And some people grow up their whole lives with a safety net. And sometimes because of that safety net, it's the double-edged sword to them. Like maybe they'll never be able to get their entity off the ground because of that safety net. And then you have flip side is a person with no safety net and there is no choice. They it's do or die. But some people die. Like they, like it still doesn't happen for them. And so having a plan A, plan B, I think is great. I forgot to bring this up. So a lot of people that come on the show as a thank you by trade, I'm, I'm a social media marketer. And so I give them a bunch of tips on how to like increase their brand and stuff like that. So question, do you want that? Man, I'm all about learning. All right. Well, let's do it then. We we got into some deep stuff, but you, you came on the show. I want to do you a solid. And so we're going to do a, a social media consultation for you. So you can ask me any questions that you want, or we can take a look at your socials and I can tell you things. So let me first ask you, is there anything concerning social media that you have any kind of question with of like the, how to utilize it better or anything like that? Oh man, a hundred percent, you know, like, like I was saying, you know, like when one brand does really good, there's, you know, another one does suffer and it's usually the KJ Saka brand. Mm-hmm. So as KJ Saka, it's, it's my center wheelhouse for multiple streams of incomes, Mm -hmm. um, multiple brands and everything, you know, it's the centerpiece of everything, my loop and sample packs, you know, all my bands and I'm in. And so social media, you know, it can suffer. Definitely. I feel like I have decent numbers, but my numbers have been pretty stagnant, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And my engagement is very, you know, everybody's, well, I shouldn't say everybody's, but, but a lot of people that I talk to, their, their social engagement can be quite low. Their percentages can be drastically low on Facebook. You know, there was a heyday on Facebook five years ago or something like that, where I post a video and, oh man, they would do really, really well Mm -hmm. on YouTube and Facebook. And it's much tougher these days, but help me out here, brother. You're in our social media expert. I am all here. If I could give you a magic wand and this magic wand would instantly give you the result that you want social media to give you. So like a lot of people say they want more ticket sales. Some people say they want to sell more merch. Some people, they say they want more engagement. Some people say they want, you know, more people to see, hear their music. You know, if I gave you that magic wand, what would be like the, yes, this is what I want to happen. Man, I would say maybe across all the platforms, more engagement. Okay. Because I, I believe more engagement can turn into ticket sales. Perfect. Yeah, I completely agree. Engagement at its very, very core is not only going to contribute in the long run to to um, more sales, whether it's through a product, through ticket sales, whatever it is, but it's also going to help create this absolutely fertile ground for super fans, which is what we're all about, right? We care about the super fans, correct? 
All you need is a thousand of them That's in your set. You exactly, dude. Let's let's go with your your top four social medias that you're on. What what ones do you feel like you want the most engagement on? Like if you got engagement on those, it would mean the world. Twitter is pretty relevant for our scene, okay. I'd say. Twitter. I'm gonna write this down. So if you hear writing, it's me. I'd say Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, Instagram. How do you feel about Facebook? <sighs> Facebook's tough these days, you know? I mean, if there was more engagement, then I'd probably utilize it more because, you know, you can write something long, much longer on there. Twitter is the shorthand, thought bubbles. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram's all about the picture or video that's fairly short. And then you write, you can write your life story or whatever on Facebook. And so, I don't know, Instagram and Twitter, I think, I don't, I don't really know what's going on with Facebook, to be honest. No worries, um, dude. Let's focus on those things. We had Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I want to keep Facebook in here. I know you want to focus more on Twitter and Instagram, but I promise if we could figure out Facebook, we're going to figure out the other ones. I took the liberty of checking out your social media earlier just to prepare you know just to get yeah. ready for this and so it's interesting because what you're saying is absolutely correct the people if you or if anyone else that is listening to this podcast right now has not realized it yet i'm going to tell you this right now organic reach on facebook is dead rest in peace it's not coming back so that means the days of kj posting a video and getting a ton of reach it's gone it's long gone and it will never come back on facebook i know it's sad and we need to accept that all right can you accept that I can accept that. He accepted it. Good. He's grieved. He's mourned. He's moved on. Okay. So, <laughs> but at the same time, Facebook is still extremely relevant and profoundly relevant. Do you know why? Do you have any idea of why Facebook would be relevant? Well, I know that they own Instagram, so right. there's crossover. Correct. market there. Absolutely. Yeah. That is the first reason. And the next reason is even though organic reach on Facebook is absolutely dead, they have more monthly users than anyone else almost combined. It's the craziest thing. There's more people, there's more monthly users on Insta, or sorry, on Facebook than Instagram and Twitter combined. It's the craziest thing. There's just, for whatever reason, because to me, when I go there, it seems like a barren wasteland, but there's so many people there. And if you ever want to run ads on Facebook or Instagram, you have to go through Facebook. So Facebook is extremely relevant. With that being said, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about engagement, which brings me to my next question. A lot of people, when I when we're brought to this question of, I want this specific result on social media, which your specific result is you want more engagement. I ask them this next question, which is, do you have more money than time or do you have more time than money? Because that is going to differ on the answer that I give you. Time. Okay. You have more time than money. Yes, okay. I would say. Well, I, I, that's a hard question. Maybe not. From everything that you're telling me, I, but do you, can you like time travel? Like, how do you have this much time? Like, I mean, are we talking about putting $10 on a post, $100 a post? What I would define is if you had more money than time that you could do like... 10 to 20 bucks a day. To me, that says you have more money than time. That's easily doable. Cool. Okay. You have more money than time. That's perfect. So using Facebook or Instagram, well, if you want more engagement on either Facebook or Instagram, you have to go through Facebook. The way that we do that, do you know how to use ads to, to get more engagement? I've used them before. Are you talking about just the basic boost? Or are you talking about an actual ad? Ah, okay. <laughs> you know the difference. This is good. Most people don't. To me, I'm talking about the ad. But let me ask you this. Like, whenever you've done something like that in the past, have you done the ad or have you boosted a post? I historically have mostly boosted. Got it. But I would like to try to get back into the ads cool. if they're very, if they're still relevant. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So the answer that you just gave me, 
I don't think I've ever talked to anyone in the music industry and they haven't given me that answer. This is something like if you walk away and you forget everything about me and my name and who I am and all that kind of stuff and this whole conversation, just remember this one thing, okay? This, as long as you got this down, that you'll be okay. Boosting posts or promoting on Instagram, you know, like boosting posts on Facebook and promoting uh, uh, what's called posts on uh on Instagram, they're the exact same thing. But those two things are of the devil. 110%, they're the most ineffective thing in the entire world. And it's literally a middle finger from Instagram and Facebook right to you. It's literally the worst thing you could ever do. Do you have any idea why? It's just like throwing money in a fire. It is, dude. It literally is like money drenched in gasoline sent into the fire. Like it is so stupid. And the reason why, and most people don't know that because of course Instagram and Facebook are going to tell you. But the reason why, is because number one, you can't target properly. You can kind of target, but you can't target properly. When it comes to anything, when it comes to marketing, targeting is the most important thing. And I tell people this all the time because the, usually the rebuttal to that statement, I thought, you know, more exposure equals more results. And that's absolutely false. Because if I took a KJ Saka song and I wanted to promote it, if I had a chance to promote it to two different situations, situation one was I was, K, I was promoting a KJ Saka song to 2 million senior citizens, or I had the chance to promote it to 50 people that love Pendulum and that love Destroid and like all those, everything like that, I would take the 50 people every single time because they are most likely to love you because I know the data, I know probability of them just being the 50 people by far is going to give me more of a result. Does this make sense? I love it. Good. So when you boost or when you promote, you can't do that. That's the first thing. You can't get down, niche down, and highly target. You, you're not, you can't access all of the Facebook tools and Instagram tools that they have for you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the reason why boosting and promoting is such garbage is because you can't retarget. You Well, maybe you can now, but you can't, you can't follow up, you can't retarget, you can't track. That's probably the better word for it. You can't track as well. When you run an ad, dude, you have more information that, than you could ever believe. Yes, you get like, I believe with boosting or promoting, yes, you get like the age and the demographic and stuff like that. That's all well and good and that's important. But what I wanna know is I want the deep information. How long are they spending online? Where do they live? What do they like to do? What other pages do they like? What, you know, like what are their hobbies? When you start understanding, when you can get that kind of data, then, then that absolutely can change all the, that can change the way you present something, the way that you uh, create a whole marketing campaign around. It changes everything. So let me ask you now, are you ever going to promote or boost again, KJ? No. Good job, man. You graduate. Okay. So, <laughs> so now that brings up the question. Okay. So how do you use ads? It's a double-edged sword because Facebook is actually very, very powerful and very, very amazing. But then, then there's the other side, which is the boost side, which is like, come on, dude, that was the lowest punch thing that they could have done to us. Like, you know, just set this out here. I'm like, oh, I'm sure no one will click on it. Wink, wink. Of course they're going to. It's on the freaking front page of their page. Of course they're going to click that nonetheless. So here's what you'll do. In your opinion, what would be a post that you would, that right now you're thinking about, man, I would love to have a lot of engagement on that, on that post. Would it be like promoting your new pack that you have out? Would it be like, you know, promoting a song? You know, like, what would you like engagement on? I just put out my Ableton pack, Matter Beats, man. I, I want that. I want people to know about 
Heck yeah, you do, and you should. Here's what you would do. I don't know if you knew this, but any post that you've made, whether on your Facebook or on Instagram or whatever, you can actually immediately turn that into an ad and into a trackable ad. It's actually really beautiful. But if I was you, what I would do is I'd create a new post that would go both on Instagram and Facebook. And in this post, you would be talking about not the product, but the result that they're gonna get from this product, right? The vast majority of people could care less about the product, they just want the result. I could care less about all the coding and all the little details inside of Ableton. I, I could care less about that. What I wanna know is if I'm gonna have a software that's gonna help me make dope music. You see what I'm saying? So it's the same with your pack. Most people don't care that it's a new sample pack. What they want is what is the result they're gonna get from the sample pack. So I would create a post focusing on the result of what they're gonna get from that. Once you've created that, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna go into the ad manager of Facebook. Once you're inside the ad manager, you're going to click a campaign, set up the campaign, but on the campaign objective, you're going to select engagement because in this specific instance, you want more engagement. When you're selecting an ad inside of the ad manager, you know, there's traffic, conversion, lead generation, video views, things such as that. And they're actually... What's like, your goal? Yeah, exactly. There's no hidden facts about these. They're very straight up. If you want more engagement, you select engagement. If you want lead generation, you do that. You can trust those. All right. So <laughs> I know there's some things you can't trust from Facebook, but that, that is definitely one thing you can trust. So after you do that, then it'll bring you to the next page, which is you're going to tell it's, it's called the ad set page. And inside of there, that's when you're going to do your targeting, you're going to set your daily budget and all that kind of stuff. So as far as the targeting, the targeting is extremely important. And when it comes to targeting, you know, most people, they go on to there and they say, you know, for example, if you're selling a sample pack, you might say people who I want this to be shown to people who like Ableton or to people who like Cymatics or to people who like Point Blank or Icon Collective or, you know, some, you know, some or loop masters or whatever, right? The problem with this is you don't know which keywords are going to convert. So for example, if you went in there and you had those four things, you had Ableton, Loop Masters, Cymatics, and Icon Collective. And let's say that the ad was profitable. It gave you a lot of engagement. Problem with that is, is that you don't know which one of those keywords are actually driving the legitimate traffic. For whatever reason, it could be Icon Collective and not the other ones, but you don't know because you don't have that data. So there's a workaround to this, okay? So there's two different workarounds. Number one, you can spend uh, $200 on a piece of software, which most people don't want to. That's what I use because I do this all the time. And it's really great. It shows you exactly where the engagement is coming from. And so that you can, you know, cut out all the stuff that's not bringing traffic and keep kind of scaling on the stuff that is. Or what you can do is you can actually duplicate your ad. It's called split testing. So in this instance, you would create one ad and it's just targeted to people who like Ableton. And then you would duplicate that ad and target it to people who like Loop Masters and then duplicate that ad and so on and so forth. And you would just run those either simultaneously or individually and see which ones convert the best. And then whatever one converts the best, you just scale that. Does that make sense? That's amazing. Now, the next thing that people ask me is when you're putting in the ad and all that kind of stuff, you know, how big do you want the audience to be? You know, you got the estimated, has a little like a little dial on the side that says, you know, what's your estimated audience size? And so most people say, you know, like is, is having a lot of people better is having a little, little bit of people better. Honestly, it completely doesn't matter. All that number is telling you is how long until that audience is going to run out. So for example, if you spend $5 a day, and it puts the ad out to a thousand people. If you have a hundred thousand people, that is, that's your estimated people that'll be shown to, your ad's gonna run out in a hundred days. That's all that means. If it has 13,000, it's just gonna run out in 13, or yeah, in 13, or sorry, 13. You know what I'm saying? You know the math. You see, you see what I'm saying? So it really doesn't matter. Like, you, there's no benefit to it being larger or smaller other than 
when do you want the your potential audience to run out, so to say. And so after you get all that done, you go through, you you set your demographic, and don't be afraid to get down and dirty with the with the details. Like most people are like, oh, I don't want to go under a million or I don't want to go to a hundred thousand. Dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You actually like the smaller I, I I err on the side on the side that says the audience size when it's smaller, it's better because you're getting super niche. The more niche that you can get, the more results you're going to see because it's like getting inside the mind of that person. This is good stuff. Good, dude. I'm glad. So again, it comes down to the placement saying, okay, great. Where do you want this to be shown? Again, this is one of those things that Facebook is trying to screw you over on because I can guarantee it says automatic placements and there's a little thing right next to it says recommended. Absolutely garbage. Do not do that. And the reason why is because like if you go to edit placements and you see all the places where the ad could be shown, a bunch of these places are going to be like, what are, what is this? When's the last time that I saw, when was the last time I was on these things. Like one of them is like, uh, what is it? The audience network. I've never been on the audience network ever in my entire life as a social media marketer. You know, in this case where you've already created a post and now we're turning it into an ad, I would say just put it on your Facebook timeline and put it on your Instagram timeline. Literally cut out everything else. Cut out Facebook stories, Instagram stories, all that kind of stuff. Everything else, Messenger, all of that's out. It's just on the timeline. All right. Is this making sense? Nice. Yeah. Cool. I think then you enter into the realm of, I'm literally just going off memory right now, but I believe you get into the realm of like, uh, it's, it's advanced settings. Like, do you want to be charged per impression or for reach or per lead or per click or per engagement? Just, okay. That's one, that's one section where Facebook does you a solid. Don't touch it. Let it run automatically. They actually, that part is actually really, really good. So after all of that is done, then we go to the next page and the next page is the ad page. This is actually where you're going to create the ad as a video or, a, or a, well, in this case, it actually is a post. So you actually, so you just go in there and it's going to say use, it's something to the, to the extent of use post as ad or use existing post or something of that nature. And then you can go in there, you can find it. It doesn't matter if it's on Instagram or Facebook that pulls from both. Um, as long as you have your Instagram synced with your Facebook, you create a call to action. That's what the button is. Sometimes it says learn more, or sign up or download or watch or whatever it is. As far as what to put on that, ah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty split in hairs at that point. To me, I've never really found much difference between call to actions. You can put learn more, you can put whatever, but so you would create an ad. And at this point, really you're, you're, you're done. You just, you just pull the post in, you set your call to action and where you want people to go when they click on that. So in, in, in this instance, it could be to your website or, or a landing page or to Ableton or you know, whatever you really want it to be at that point. And really that's, that's it. That's, that's how you do it. That's how you get engagement. Does this make sense? Brilliant, man. Absolutely. Once I start developing more engagement on Facebook and Instagram, that ideology growth curve can spill over into Twitter. Absolutely. As a starting point. You're absolutely Twitter. correct. Twitter is its own beast, but crushing at least two of the three with a one-stop shop by creating this ad is brilliant. You know, this is very useful information. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Absolutely. I have one more piece of advice for you. So oh, I'm all ears. Actually, I got two more. If I was to tell you the type of ads that for me personally are the highest converting ads, the things that like I spend the least amount of money, but I get the max amount of value for, it comes down to two different ads, two different types of ads, I should say. Number one is face or sorry, Instagram story ads. Those things are converting like hotcakes. I don't even know what a hotcake is. I guess it's just a cake that's hot, unless it's something else. Anyways, it's converting like freaking crazy. And so if you can get an Instagram story ad, which is again, amazingly easy to set up, that converts like crazy. But bar none, the highest 
the highest, the thing that is slaughtering everything else is YouTube ads, highest converting thing. To give you numbers, to actually give you actual legitimate numbers, if we run a Facebook ad, you know, if we're trying to drive traffic to something, so like right now we're selling our AU5 Ableton sound design course. So if we're driving traffic towards them, by the way, I'll give you the course for free. Epic. But if we were driving traffic towards it, if we do it through a Facebook ad, it'll cost about anywhere from 30 to 50 cents a click, which is pretty dang good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty dang good. Uh, if we do it through Instagram, it'll be anywhere from 20 to f 40, maybe 30 cents a click, which is better. It's not the best. Where the best is, dude, the like the absolutely freaking killing it for us right now is at YouTube. We are getting nine cent clicks. Nine cents, dude. Do you have a dime? Do you got a dime to throw away to find a new fan? Do you? Heck yeah, you do. You know, that's amazing. Also because tutorials, anything that has to do with Ableton, people want to go on YouTube because that's where the longer videos are. Absolutely. See, even right now, you understand your demographic. You know where they're at. You know what they're doing. You can use this data. You can use this data, KJ. All in all, I said I would want Twitter, you know, Instagram, Facebook, but but, but YouTube, like that's where all my drum videos live. Yep. Like that's the real fan, the kid just like a fan base, to be honest. That's bread and butter, right? That there. is bread and butter. And just imagine this. All right, let's say that someone came onto your channel and they want to watch one of your drumming videos. Well, the way that you would target the ad, they would, it would only show it to producers. But they're coming on, they're like, oh yeah, like I love KJ Suck. I want to watch them do this. And then right before you get onto that, there's a, there's an ad that pops up in front of them that says, hey, dude, thank you so much for watching my video. By the way, if you want this new Ableton pack that I just put out, it's absolutely amazing. It includes X, Y, Z. The value is insane. Go ahead and click right here. It doesn't matter if they click or not. You only get charged for people that click. So it doesn't matter if they don't click. You won't get charged for it. And even if they don't click on it or they skip the ad or whatever, there's going to be a little thing down in the corner, the entire video that's, that is like a, like a hyperlink to, to your ad. It's going to have a picture of, of whatever like either your face or, or the, the thumbnail that you use for the video and the ad or whatever. It's going to sit there the entire time. So just staring them in the face. You see the power in this? I love that. I made some of those before mm -hmm. and I need to continue to do that, especially with your help here. This is brilliant knowledge, man. Heck well yeah. done. Uh, we should continue to talk about this offline. Heck yeah. But is there is there anything else that you want to tell our audience, your audience, is there anything that you want to say to them? If there are young aspiring producers out there who listen to this, fans or just fans of electronic music, bass music, I encourage each and every one of you to continue to learn, to grow, if you're a producer, to continue to be inspired to create the best music you possibly can. Continue to keep music a relevant part of your life to shake the weight of the world, the anxieties and everything, because music is a healer. At the end of the day, when all the Facebook ads die, when all the organic reach from social media dies, when, you, when you're too old to go play shows anymore or anything like that, whatever comes up, the reason why we're doing all this is because of the music and because how it resonates with our soul on such a deep level. So I salute you for that, dude. Thank you so much, man. Ah, oh, man, 100%. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Hey, Don Nation. Hope you enjoyed episode 54 with KJ Saka. And if you are not partaking of any Shaven Haven, then I want you to take a screenshot of this episode right now and tag me and KJ Saka on an Instagram story. In fact, if there is anything in this episode that really resonated with you, take a screenshot, post about it in your stories, and let us know what really hit home. If you are interested in the In The Dawn, Behind The Daw Patreon, or getting private lessons in music production or social media marketing, or suggesting guests to come on the show, 
go ahead there are links down in the description also you can find all of those things on in the daw Net. And by the way, we have a Daw Nation Facebook group now. If you want to be a part of that, totally can. But there is two ways to get into it. Number one, you become a patron. Or two, you join the school base. Now, either one of those will give you lifetime access into the Daw Nation Facebook group. But, you know, that's that's the only two ways of getting in, ladies and gentlemen. So, again, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on. It doesn't matter what you're listening on. Maybe you're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Is there, is there anything else? I don't think there's anything else. Wherever you are, do one of those things. Okay, it lets us know that we're moving in the direction that you need us to, Daw Nation. And then I'd also encourage you to go check out the other Behind the Dot episodes. You know, the episodes with like Dodge and Fusky, Holly, Rogue, Echoes, Kara, all of those things are beautiful. And there's a bunch of others on there that I promise has information in there that is going to help you on your music production journey. And don't forget to check out our YouTube series in the Daw, all right, over on the Daw Nation YouTube channel. Or maybe you want to listen to it. No worries. That's cool too. Those are the 0.5 episodes. And now finally, Daw Nation, of course. I'm going to encourage you to go check out the School of Bass over at courses.inthedaw.net for both the free version and the full course as well. Daw Nation, thank you for coming along and going behind the Daw with KJ Saka. And next week, we have another episode, so come on back. We'll regroup them, all right? So, Daw Nation, thank you so much. You have a fantastic day.